I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're back. <laughs> Although, Johnny, should we start with a formal apology? Because I've heard a skip in pre-season when you're an experienced campaigner, much like yourself. But starting five weeks into the season, that's a bit much, eh? Becoming properly Fijian. Like the only person I know that that bad is Jim Nagusa. You took three months off at the start. We're a month late, but Tim, you took at least six weeks holiday. So you can't say anything. And also we had some summer signings with some things to tee up, some paperwork to get through, some new additions to the show. So things have taken a little bit longer, but it's awesome that we're back and delighted to have a new man with us. Absolutely. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Graves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And as you mentioned, Johnny, we haven't just been twiddling our thumbs while we've been away, <laughs> not just sat on the beach. We've been in deep contractual negotiations and you need a deep squad nowadays, don't you? So... We're going to be operating a bit of a rotation policy this season. Benji will be back at various points, won't he? But other new faces on board and you need a marquee signing too. Should we unveil him, Johnny? We should, mate. We're skint, but we should unveil him. (laughs) (laughs) Transfer reveal videos are all the rage now, aren't they? There have been some impressive unveilings over the years. Not on this podcast. We haven't prepared anything. But do you want to do a drum roll on your table, on your desk, on your wall? (laughs) Marquee signings don't come bigger than this. Top four team winner, Champions Cup winner, twice World Cup winner. Jerome Kano, how are you doing? Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's great to be a fixture here on the show. I'm not too sure if my stories will be as uh, top shelf as Benji's, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. We've had you on uh, the show a couple of times already, but to be a, a bit more of a regular fixture, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. had a uh, chat to Johnny earlier on in the season and um, spoke about the possibility and it's not really something that I would usually gravitate to, but um, mate, it's a challenge and something that gets me out of my comfort zone. What did they offer you then? What did he sweeten the deal with? Oh, a couple of <laughs> couple of coffees and uh, a few brewskis. A couple of cot de boeuf, a couple of tickets to Scotland be the All Blacks. Mate, I feel, do you know what I feel like? I feel like a proper lower league like president or manager like trying to get a rock star <laughs> to come in, like properly scraping the barrel. But seriously, delighted to have you with us, man. It's awesome. So thanks a lot. And looking forward to this year. There'll be another semi-regular guest joining you and Benji, who we won't announce just yet. But um, mate, it's going to be awesome to have you with us. And we should start with Kano, the coach. So you've been retired just over a year now. Finding transition to coaching good? Yeah, I'd say, uh, no, I'm really enjoying it. This year's a lot more smoother. The transition's a lot more smoother and I feel a lot more comfortable than last year. I was still in uh, players mode, uh, trying to sort out my schedule and also what's needed as a coach. But um, yeah, I learned a lot last year in terms of what's needed as a coach, what's needed for the younger players. And yeah, and I'm learn- learning so much off the, the other coaches uh, that I'm working with. So it's, uh, it's been great. Tell me about the hours because... I think it's changed from when we first started pro rugby and, you know, you came in, you did your work and you saw the coaches leaving at the same time. Like now there's a real, mate, the hours are three times what a player does. Yeah. Like clearly. So like my first question is, honestly, I think a lot of people out there, especially my wife is like, you know, rugby was a bit of a jolly sometimes, rugby coaching as well. Like, but it is hard graft. Tell us how hard it really is. With me, it's not, uh, it's not too bad, but there are a lot of early starts. But uh, I'd have to say no one... Uh, 
works as hard as uh, Hugo Mola here at um, at Toulouse. He's the first one to arrive and the last one to leave. But um, no, for me, it wasn't too much of a shock. It's more um, when you get home, you can't leave work at work. You've got to constantly think about rugby as a coach, uh, constantly think about uh, ways you could evolve as a person or as how you could evolve your your rugby. So that was the part that uh, I really struggled with is not being able to switch off. But um, no, all the all the other things have. I've always uh, understood and known that I had to to pick it up, but that was the part for me that uh, I found really hard because as a player, you can be a little bit selfish and hmm. just focus, focus on you and what you need to do to be at your best on Saturday. But as a coach, you've got uh, 50 or 60 other guys that you have to try and adapt your approach and how do you, how you get the best out of them. And I've spoken to loads of mates that made the transition as well, but how are you finding having your squad, like you've won the top 14, you've won Champions Cup together, you're good mates, you're a band of brothers, and then all of a sudden you're in a position of authority, you're a coach. Like, So how have you found that dynamic shift as well with your mates? Yeah, that's uh, that's taken a little bit of uh, getting used to. Obviously, um, we you have to keep that distance as uh, you can't be seen after training, playing poker with the lads in the, in the team room. Um, <laughs> that was a bit of a shift. But uh, in terms of relationship and how close I am with the boys, nothing's really changed. We, we still uh, hang out, still chat. And uh, I think for me uh, as a coach now, that I think that's pretty important, having the, those close friendships, relationships, because it helps a lot when you're on the paddock um, coaching and, and uh, being with the boys. Johnny mentioned the hours. You work with the Espoirs and the first team. So is that double the hours or how does it work? Double the no, pay, um, surely. No, no. <laughs> no, we've got a pretty good schedule. As um, My Espoirs, we, co- we we train in the middle of the day. So um, if the, the pro team plan, train in the morning, uh, I'm straight away with uh, Espoirs and we're training midday. And then uh, if the pro team have a double day, it's uh, pretty much most of the day on the field. Hardest working man in French rugby, Johnny. No, really. no, no. The, 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 the question that I really want to ask, though, because this is something that Benji and I laugh about quite a lot, is how's the rig? Like you've gone from training and full time, and have you blown out? You still look lean. Like have you looked like yeah. you've lost weight? So you've clearly not gone the other way. But how's the rig feeling? Is it holding together? Yeah, it's nice feeling good. I'm not uh, walking around like a seventy year old man after on Sunday mornings. It's uh, it's been great. I've taken probably a year and a bit off, no weights, no no high intensity work, but um, I think uh, it's a bit uh, it's about time that I start uh, doing a little bit of something. I have uh, lost a bit of muscle, but I think I'm a little bit heavy in terms of uh, scale scale wise. Mate, it's never a good sign when you lose all your muscle, but your body yeah. weight is still <laughs> yeah. the same. Yeah, <laughs> that's when you get the nudge from the missus. She's like, yeah. "Wait, something needs to change." It's been a year and a half, but come on, <laughs> get yourself back in there. <laughs> no, she was a pretty good uh, off season. <laughs> we'll maybe ask you a bit more about coaching later on, but we are sorry, as we mentioned, that we've spent so much time on the beach, but. The good thing about that journey is five rounds in, so much to talk about. So let's get cracking. Lots off the pitch as well as on it. It was French rugby's version of the Oscars last week. I think we spoke to you the week of uh, La Nuit de Rugby last season, Joe, actually, and mm. you were there. This year, not too much debate about the winners. Antoine Dupont, top French international. Zach Mercer, top 14 player of the year. Easy. Uh, like you said, there wasn't really much uh, debate in terms of the winners. But uh, from a start point of view, it was awesome to see... Uh, Antoine get the uh, another award and uh, <laughs> our uh, and another halfback who plays for our women's team, Laurie Census, uh, get the yeah. women's award as well. So that was a uh, was incredible for us to be able to celebrate here at the start. And also Zach, another friend of the show, yeah. um, like no surprise again, like a man who in the final was MVP player of the final. Um, headed obviously back home now, so we're sad that he's heading back home for us. Like, excited for his challenge trying to make that world cup squad um but not many eights come over here one of the biggest physical leagues on the planet and make that biggest splash in the first season like he was absolutely phenomenal he's not a massive guy either like he's not massively gifted genetically size wise but like his timing his power his technical ability in spades he reads the game so well so really really chuffed for him um absolutely delighted to pick up the award and wish him all the best for the rest of this season and then also in his quest to make that World Cup squad, as we said, that's going to be a huge challenge for him going back home. You mentioned him heading back home. The other news, obviously, Sam Simmons moving from Exeter to fill his boots. So you also mentioned size. Jerome, 
as as a former back rower, both former back rowers, he's even smaller than Zach. So when you look at Sam Simmons moving to the top 14, do you think he can have a similar impact to Zach or is he going to find it tricky to adjust? Because it is the land of the giants at times in the top 14. No, I think uh, I think he'll just continue his momentum that he had in uh, the premiership. He's a deceivingly small, or not like he he's not small, small, but uh, he's just a tank. And uh, I think he'll fit in right in with the top 14. He's a very similar profile to uh, like uh, Greg Aldrich, um, Tunga at uh, La Rochelle now. So uh, he's a bit of a tank, but he's also quick. He was a try-scoring machine at the Premiership. So for, yes. me, for me, coming to uh, top 14, I think you'll fit right right in with uh, how the game's played and how how uh, physical it is because he's uh, he doesn't shirk that responsibility, that's for sure. Now, I think there's been a shift as well, like in... From when I started in the top 14, it was just like it was land of the mutes. It was like, can you get the biggest pack of forwards on the field? Whereas now there's way much more organization. It's harder to break defenses down. There's more skill required. And if you think, like you mentioned a few names, like he reminds me of Sean O'Brien as well. Just like the way he has that explosive power, like low center of gravity can burst tackles. And he's got a real point of difference. Like like yeah. you mentioned, the amount of tries he scored, five to 10 meters out for Exeter because of how well organized they are. And that's what he'll bring to Montpellier. Like, he's a British line. Like, he's a top, top player. So, like, Zach Mercer is a big loss, but I think Philippe Saint-André has been quite um, shrewd with his recruitment. Like, he used to commentate on the on the premiership as well. Um, and I reckon Sam Simmons will go well. And it is a bit odd to be talking about next season when we're only a few weeks into yeah. this season, but <laughs> it is the big news. And while we're on it, another big move, but in the coaching side of things, Stuart Lancaster into Racing. I think that's class. Um, and again, I'd choose the word. I'll use it again, like a shrewd recruitment by Rassing. Um, Travers moving upstairs. But I think this is a massive push towards that. Like, again, I mentioned it used to be the land of the giants and get the biggest team and like shell out cash. But I think French rugby is shifting more and more towards having good coaches, the formation and development of young French players and real coaching. Um, and I think that Lanny, that's him. Like this friend of the show, Jorko Coco, Nyanga, Sarzeski, they're all up there, but I think Lancaster will be almost the jewel in the crown, like an excellent coach, like with, with England and with Leinster. Um, his detail, like the way he gets his teams moving, both with England, again, they were lucky to get dumped out of that World Cup and he paid the price, but his style of play, the detail um, and the organization you can see in his teams, like how big a leader he is, I think will be absolutely awesome. And I also to add, if you speak to anyone that's worked with him, is overwhelmingly positive. He's loved loved everywhere he's um, he's coached. So it's a massive coup because I know there was like two, three, there were four international sides after him as well, trying to get him to leave Leinster. So a ma- yeah, so it's, it's a massive, massive um, signing for Racing. And that's huge for them. And Jerome, you'll have come up against his sides a fair few times over the years, Lancaster. So as a coach, him moving from the URC to the top 14, what are the kind of details I guess that might be different in the French League that he'll have to get used to I don't know for me like Johnny said he'll definitely have a lot of a load of experience and a lot of detail that he could bring to the uh, the racing environment but I think for me what he would have to try and mould or fuse together is how he could get the racing DNA how how he can uh, evolve that because sometimes it's tough coming into a new environment and changing everything with the players, especially with the talent that he has. So I think that'll be one of the challenges that he has. But um, from the teams that he's worked with and the knowledge he would have to be able to work with the players that he will come uh, come and coach, it's uh, it's pretty exciting for them. Another friend of the show, Thibaut Giroud, rumoured to be... Well, no, he is joining him, isn't he? He is, mate. He signed a six-year contract. It's the biggest wow. contract I've ever <laughs> heard a, a performance coach. And there's a reason. Like, he's he sought after. He's, he's one of the best in the business. And you've seen what he's done with Toulon, with Glasgow, with the French side. He's class. And that's why Rassinger are shelling out and bringing these people in. He will be exceptional. Um, again, going back to Lanny a little bit more, like, you think about the DNA, the organisation the sides have had. Also with Leinster, like, the ball in playtime... The fact that Racing has like a synthetic pitch with like a roof that's covered all the time. So they're there to entertain, put on a show in Paris. And these are all things he's going to have to take on board and, and sort of weigh into his team. But like Jerome said, in your second language, in your first season, it's hard to implement. I think also Felipe Contempomi is coming down with, with him, who has been part of his staff at Leinster. So he'll be massive. Uh, again, the experience he had at Stade Francais and at Toulon, the French speaker and how he gets those messages over, really gets these things into these young French players. Um, and gets it ingrained into them so they can start the season flying. They'll have a preseason together and then they're off. So 
Um, look, it's, it's class. It's, it's a massive rebuild, but to be adding Lancaster, Giroud, Contempomi, we know they're in the market for standoffs as well, marquee names, um, is big change, but it all looks like positive change um, at Racing, who at the minute, like we'll get into games in a bit, look a little bit shaky in the way they're playing. We mentioned Thibaut Giroud leaving the French setup. Interestingly as well, Karim Gazal and Lauren Labitte reportedly leaving Fabien Galtier's staff after the World Cup as well. Does that set any alarm bells ringing at all in terms of either the timing or the, the fact that it's happening? Or is that just natural that coaches might move on? But I think they're victims of their own success. Like they've been phenomenal as a team. So it's only natural that big clubs with big budgets will come after them. And for the most part in the top 14, the clubs will have bigger budgets than the FFR. So there's a financial reason that you can be pulled away, but you also can't expect to be that good as a national coaching setup and then not be poached. There's something to be said as well for these guys being assistants in a national setup, but also wanting to go and run their own teams. Like they want to go and be leaders and run their own organization. So uh, as much as you might think it's strange, it's not midway through a World Cup cycle. It's announced at the end of the World Cup, although it's strange to announce it now. They'll be there for the duration, see the teams through, and then the top 14 doesn't start until after the World Cup anyway. So it's a natural follow-on timing-wise. Um, but I just think the way the French team has been the past two seasons with the coaching staff they've had, it's normal. They've been so good that it's absolutely normal these guys get poached. And there's been some random names thrown out in French press who's who's come in and take their places, um, which has been really random to see. But it's going to be hard for Fabian to go and get quality um, aligned with what he has and not pick from head coaches or or absolute superstars in the coaching world in the top 14. So I think it's normal, but that's just my opinion. We've seen a lot of coaching changes in Eddie Jones's England setup over the years. And often that is put down to the way he works, his intensity. Is there anything in that, Jerome, in terms of Fabian Galtier, or do you think this is a completely different situation? To be honest with you, I'm not too up to speed with uh, what goes on in, inside the camp or even the characters inside the camp. But uh, all I go off with is with a lot of feedback that I have with the players. And they say they work really hard, but uh, it's a really enjoyable environment. And um, like uh, Johnny said, he uh, the players just, uh, all, they, all they say is that the coaches complement each other with the way they work and how they've developed the team. And you've seen the last three years how the uh, the boys have adapted to their, their coaching setup. They've uh, just gone from strength to strength. And I think I said it earlier on this year that uh, if they continue the way they're going, uh, they'll be definitely be favourites come, come World Cup time. And Johnny, you know Fabian, so is there anything in that in terms of the intensity? And also... There are rumours that Japan are going to throw the checkbook at Fabian Galtier after the next World Cup. Is, can you see that at all or not? I don't know. In terms of the personality, he's intense, but like, look, what's he, look what the result is. Look what the product is. Look what he gets out of the players. And I think as well, the sort of that type of intensity, you mentioned Eddie Jones, but for me, that's suited to international rugby. Like, You take your best players, you get into an intense environment, you nail your detail, you come together as a team and then you perform. That's what it is. And then you have a break from these personalities through this year, you go back to your club. So how you see them performing as a team over the past two, three seasons is night and day to what we've seen from the French team over the past 10 years. So they're doing an amazing job. And would it surprise me? It absolutely wouldn't surprise me. Like it would be, it would be very Fabian to win the World Cup and then ride off into the sunset and coach the Japanese side. That being said, I think it'd be a real shame because I'm not sure there's another French coach right now you might disagree with me, Jerome, but there might be somebody <laughs> quite close to you that could do a decent job. But I think right now um, he's doing a phenomenal job and it'd be a shame to see him um, leave the French team, even after they win or do win the, the World Cup in 2023. So um, like nothing would surprise me though. With Fabian, nothing would surprise me at all. Well, you mentioned the random names being thrown out. Hugo Moller is one of them, not to take over from Fabian Galti, but he's been mentioned in the media as someone who might take over from Lauren Labitte. Can you see him leaving Toulouse to do that, Jerome? For me, no. I don't really see it. But um, that's just me. All I'm reading is uh, what's on Rugby, rugby Rama and what's on Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> Scandalous no, rumours. There's no real solid evidence uh, for me to be able to report or announce that there's any anything behind those uh, rumours. Until you ask him tomorrow morning at breakfast, and you can confirm or <laughs> yeah. deny for us. I can guarantee you that won't be one of the questions I'd ask him tomorrow. <laughs> Over your morning espresso. Like the other yeah. one that was thrown out was, was Pierre Mignoni. But like, there's no way, there's no way Ugo Mola would down tools at Toulouse to go and be an assistant. Like, 
it's just unrealistic. The same with Pierre Mignoni. And you look at the two characters, the two types of men they are, like there's absolutely no chance they're going to go and become assistants in the French national side. I think potentially one day they would take over and become the French national team coach, but absolutely no chance are they leaving uh, Toulon and Toulouse, two of the biggest clubs in the world, to go and be assistants at the French national team. No way. Crucially, one assistant who looks like he is staying is Sean Edwards. And one rumour that may prove to be correct is that Bobby... The rope, Stridgen, could be replacing Thibaut Giroud. The link makes sense there, Johnny. It does, it's great that Sean's staying on because I think we can see how defensively they've revolutionised under him. Um, he has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, another mate of the show who's been on before as well. And the rope, like Bobby, again, we talk about his, again, with Wales, with his clubs, with the Lions, how much he's been loved globally by everyone that's worked with him as well. So... If France are going to go in a different direction after Thibaut, language might not be a barrier. Sean Edwards can translate. It'll all be good. But another one that globally has been loved by everyone that's worked with him. So um, could be the man to do the job. It's a hell of a lot on this coaching merry-go-round. We, <laughs> uh, we should ask you, Jerome. You're at the start of your coaching career, but you're obviously trying to forge your own path. Who do you look at in terms of your mentors or coaches you'd like to take bits from? How do you kind of see it going moving forwards? Mate, at the moment, I'm uh, I'm learning a lot of the guys, uh, the coaches that I'm working with, Hugo Moller, Jean Boyou, Virgil Lacombe, Clément Potrano, and uh, Laurent Thierry. So uh, those guys would, uh, for me, I'm uh, constantly trying to mirror a lot of the things that they do and learning as much as I can. But uh, in terms of mentors, I've been, ever since I decided or even mentally thought about trying out coaching is uh, Wayne Smith. He'd definitely be one awesome. that I, I'd try and catch up with him every couple of months uh, just to talk about where the game's going and also just see how the family's going. But he's definitely one that I always try and tap into in terms of knowledge and um, how I can make uh, my position that I'm in, uh, how, how I can do it the best that I can. Was he also one of your biggest influences when you were playing? Like, was he one guy when you heard him speak, you were like, this is the man, like I need to, you've obviously worked with some world-class coaches. Like who else would you add to that roster of people that are really influential and got the best out of you as a player? Yeah, definitely Wayne Smith would be one of the most uh, influential uh, coaches that I've had. Steve Hansen would be uh, one. He was he was the ex uh, policeman, ex sergeant. So you couldn't bullshit him. You couldn't uh, <laughs> you couldn't fake anything around him. And uh, he also knew how to adapt his approach to whatever player, whatever person he was talking to, to get the best out of him. So uh, for me, those two. Um, another one that I do talk to quite often is Joe Schmidt he he was one of my first ever New Zealand representative coaches when I was in schoolboys and we always kept in touch and then uh, you saw the the career that he paved for himself and uh, became one of the world's best coaches and still is so um, I, I still keep in contact with him and uh, yeah when I was at schoolboys Joe Schmidt still he looked like a schoolboy <laughs> in the schoolboys <laughs> team and he still has the baby face now so for me, those would be the top three guys that I, outside of France, that I try and look up to and try and tap into to get uh, as much experience or information off them as possible. Not a bad little stable of mentors there, Johnny. You might have a future. <laughs> yeah, not bad. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not got a list that can compare to that, mate. So you're winning that hands down. <laughs> Andy Robinson, Frank Haddon. He's, he's not on the Christmas card list, either of them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> And talking then about assistants, Jerome, that might want to be the top man potentially moving from France to the top 14. At the start of your journey, what is the ultimate ambition? Is it to be a head coach? Do you like having an area that you focus on? What's the, is the ultimate ambition to be All Blacks head coach? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. For me, I'm quite tunnel vision at the moment just to try and focus on my role at the moment. And that's uh, Espoir, with the Espoirs and also the, the Ruck uh, area with the pro team. I just want to be the best at that and and see where that takes me. Um, I've still got a lot to learn, a lot to experience. And uh, uh, yeah, and for me, for right now, that's uh, my main focus. I'll never say never to other ambitions, but I think that'll come as I, as I experience and as I learn. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, we should probably talk about some rugby now on the pitch, should we? <laughs> Five games into the season, everyone, Johnny, has won at least a couple of games. If it's possible to get any tighter, is the top 14 tighter than ever this year? It doesn't change. And the two big dog kicking off where they left off last year, La Rochelle and Toulouse sort of flying the flag and chip leaders at the minute, but we know how quickly it can change. Like with injuries, with national games coming up over the autumn and, and people leaving the club, like... You look at both ends of the table, there's really, there never is that much difference between like third and fourth and 12th, 13th. Like it's just the nature of the beast. The top 14 is a marathon. Um, but five games in, like it's been entertaining. Some of the rugby that's been played has been fast. Uh, it's been dry pitches. It's been quick. It's been entertaining to watch. Some of the tries that have been run in have been ridiculous. One, again, Jerome's boys, two lose at the weekend, end to end, like going coast to coast against Montpellier. Absolutely freakish and, and, and real joy to watch. So look, it's the top 14 as we know it. The quality has been awesome so far to watch. Um, but as I mentioned, the two big dogs, La Rochelle and Toulouse, some of the rugby they've strung, uh, flung together um, has been top class. And it's been great to watch. Yeah, I wish I could say it was great to watch. But uh, from a coaching <laughs> perspective, there's no real off button because you you know how tight the competition is. And every week you've always got a new challenge. And once you experience a high from a game, you know, straight away you've got to start focusing on the next week and then in the next week after that. What about in-game, mate? Like you said, you wish you could enjoy them. Are you managing to enjoy watching games when you're at the, like, again, it's different from me being removed now and no longer being part of the physical confrontation part. I really don't miss that. But I can now enjoy games. When you're invested as a coach, do you still have that stress, like that horrible feeling and the sort of anxious nature of, oh, shit, we need to win this or big game? you still get that or do you get a little bit of a buzz watching? No, I'm a pretty bad uh, spectator when it comes to <laughs> rugby. I'm, uh, and because I'm so invested in it with uh, with the coaching role and uh, I'm so close with, with the team that uh, I think that just amplifies it. Um, yeah, I get really nervous before games and I'm uh, so stressed when things things happen that uh, don't go away during games. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's an enjoyable process. And Johnny mentioned you've had a great start to the season, but that was also the case last season, wasn't it, for Toulouse? And then there was a mid-season blip and then he came strong again. So top of the pile at the moment, Toulouse. Has there been mm. chat about last season and how it sort of panned out, lessons learned? Has that been spoken about? Yeah, I think... Um, uh, it's it's been our case for the last couple of years. Uh, well, we start really well, and then uh, obviously we lose a, a number of players in the international window. But I think this year we've been able to, and we've had the chance to be able to bleed in some new new blood, new new players, and uh, they're going really well for us. So I think hopefully that uh, we'll, we'll be able to get to ourselves to a position where uh, our younger players have so much experience from the beginning of the season that. Um, we we had that depth in the squad to be able to have confidence in the in the younger guys to go out there and do the job. But um, yeah, it's still early days, but uh, we're really happy with how, the way our young boys have been going. Hey, two of them, one of them not so young, but two brothers for you at the weekend, the Retier brothers. Yeah, 
And again, like we'd all we'd all seen Arthur play for La Rochelle as you know a fullback, as a wing, as a centre. Yeah. But talk me through him at nine and his brother. At, like I, I'd never seen him play nine. And, and when he came in, we heard he was going to be like a Swiss Army knife. I was like, is that really going to work? Him playing nine in the top level and top fourteen. But like you went away the weekend. You spanked Montpellier away after you'd been written off. Like press over here was horrible to you. Like you were yeah. going to get your asses handed to you. But those are the exact type of guys that stood up and were absolutely phenomenal. Can you tell us a little bit more about them, like as brothers and, and nine ten combos and how that's all slotted in? Man, it was incredible uh, to see those boys play together, but also play uh, play the way they did. Those boys are so close. Um, you know, for us, we re- we didn't really focus too much on the media or what was said. I think we had the confidence in the the team that we had picked to go go over there and and do the job and play at our level. But um, you know, for me, being so close to Edgar, he's he's my captain with the Espoirs. Uh, to be able to get his opportunity, his first match, and and to play with his brother, but to also really stand up and uh, and drive the team around. I was, I was really stoked for him. It got a little bit emotional in the changing room before the game as the boys were prepping because it's uh, been a long time coming for him and to also to play off his brother. But yeah, for me, I was just uh, stoked for him. And another big winner at the weekend with Claremont beating Leon 43-20, Alivaretti Raka hat-trick. Is he going to be back in the France reckoning in the autumn or? I reckon Matisse Labelle might be the... Like you're smirking, Jerome. I don't know why. Maybe you know something that I don't know and the no, list no, has no. already come out. <laughs> but I, I don't know, like uh, sad news again, like the injuries we, we haven't really touched on, but like Vakatawa having to finish, Bernard Larue up in Paris, Gabin Villiers having like the worst kind of injury where you do at the end of last year, you rehab the whole way through summer and then they tell you when you get back to rehab running, actually it's not working. You have to have an operation, which is so demoralizing. Out of Vincent's origin. Again, mm. like the, in- the injury yeah. list in key positions, although the depth in French rugby is stronger than it ever has been, but like Matisse, Labelle, Raka, you would say that Raka going forward is absolutely phenomenal in the air, possibly going backwards, not as good. But like Jerome can comment more than me, but a guy that I've been super impressed with over the past two, three seasons, he started this year with a bang as well. Matisse Labelle would be, mm. in, in, in my mind anyway, probably on the top of that list. I don't know what you think. Last year, I think uh, he just needed the confidence to be able to express what he already had. And uh, he's such a quiet kid, doesn't really uh, speak out too much. But what he's able to do when he's high on confidence is just incredible. So uh, for me, I wouldn't be, uh, I'd be more than happy to be able to see him uh, put the uh, blue jersey on again. But um, Rucker, I saw a few clips of him playing, I think it was Toulon, and it was an amical match, and it just looked like a man playing against boys. And he just <laughs> continued that into the season, and he's been week in, week out. He's just been uh, incredible. So um, I think any of those two guys, but that's just two names of, uh, of a handful that they have here in France. We've chatted a lot about coaches already. Johnny, at the end of last season, we spent a fair bit of time talking about Christophe Urias and Bordeaux. Obviously, we know Cameron Wockey has gone, but things haven't started brilliantly for Bordeaux, have they? Mate, you say that, they're seventh. And if Jerome's Toulouse hadn't beaten them at home early on, they'd be fourth. So, well, like a narrow victory. And again, it doesn't look glamorous, but Christophe's teams never really are glamorous. Like they're hard, arduous, hardworking pragmatic teams that he produces. Um, I don't know, if it hadn't been for that early loss to Toulouse, they'd be okay, but that's it. One loss in the top 14 and you sink back three, four places. The press starts talking. It's just the nature of the beast. Like it's so fine, the lines of... Like one guy that did take a pot shot at um, Urios was one of your new boys, his dad. So Olivier Rumat, his (laughs) son Alex is playing for, he's playing for Toulouse and he's been phenomenal again. Like slotted straight in, expressing himself, playing really well, bossing at the line out. But Olivier's dad came out and pressed over here and said that his son had to eat shit for two years and take shit for two years from uh, Urios, and now he's having a great time. And look, Christoph gets loads of stuff leveled at him over here because he's a polarizing character. He enjoys talking. He enjoys hard work. I really enjoyed working with him. I thought he was a fantastic coach. I, I genuinely did. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be at the foot end of the table come the end of the season. It's a long old season, like we said, and like, like they're going to be making top six, top eight. But it hasn't been the best start, but that's all come from one loss against Toulouse. And they're not going to be the only side to lose at home to Toulouse this season because they're a big old team. So yeah, not all rosy, 
Um, not everyone's happy with them, but I'm fairly sure they'll, they'll come good as the, as the season progresses. La Rochelle beat Racing at home, but aside from the result, it's doing the rounds in, in the media, 70 consecutive home sellout crowds. And I know the support you get to lose is brilliant, Jerome, but that is phenomenal, isn't it? Was it 70? 70 in a row sold out home games. That's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's the huge difference that I noticed coming over from New Zealand and experiencing top 14. I'm not too sure if it's the same over in the Premiership or the URC, but here in France, the, the support's incredible. Every stadium that we play at, is, uh, there's a massive crowd outside welcoming the buses. And then uh, obviously during the game, the, the singing just it's just non-stop. And when you speak to mates, like obviously Victor Vito, who's been there and Carbarlo, how are they enjoying it? Like boys that you've played with in the past that have come over and they've had that experience as well. I know you've loved it at Toulouse, but they must have loved because the atmosphere at, at their stadium at home is insane. Like it's an incredible place to play. Oh, it's an incredible place to visit when you're a visiting team. The, the singing, uh, so loud, but definitely when I've uh, spoken to the lads, they definitely love uh, love the city, love the love the club. Wingy Antonio, he's from where I'm from in, um, in Auckland, in New Zealand. And when he came over, uh, all the reports were just like... Um, just the second home, how how he's enjoying the environment, enjoying the, the the atmosphere during games, and to be able to experience it firsthand, it's uh, it's incredible. I think it's definitely his first home now, isn't it? King yeah. of La Rochelle, I would yeah, say so. the king. <laughs> yeah. In less good news for them, Johnny, the LNR have given Ronan O'Gara a six-week sideline ban. He's been in trouble again. <laughs> He's out of action till the end of October, isn't he? He, he is. And like the, like we've already, we just mentioned how well Toulouse and, and La Rochelle play. Like, I love the way they operate. I love the way on field, how they go about it. Like Ronan's always had, going back to playing against them, like Glasgow, Munster, Scotland, Ireland, he's always had just this horribly competitive streak to him. That, that's probably a positive. But the weird bit is when you get into that coaching arena and, becomes part of the environment and we talk about our values and respect humility culture like how do we work how do we go, our, go about our business like he won't want to be transferring that to his players because you can't be abusing touchline officials like it's just it's something that he has to cut off and remove from his game keep the competitive spirit keep all the positive stuff that he, like how he's getting them to perform how he runs that team how they play because it's phenomenal but that's just like the one little thing that's like a little black mark i guess from at the minute is if he's looking at, you know, monster jobs or Ireland jobs in the future, they'll be like, what's his temperament like, temperament like long-term? How is he going to affect our culture? What's he going to bring to our group? And again, for the players, like you'll know now as a coach, Jerome, like when your head coach has a touchline ban, and I've had it with different coaches where they're making phone calls to assistant coaches, like in the changing room, in the tunnel, like it's just another layer that you don't need. It's another difficult barrier for your performance yeah. to your team that you, that you don't need. So look, from like, they're one of the best teams in the top 14. They play incredible rugby, but that's it. He just he needs to learn just to toe that line a little bit or play that line a little bit cuter because um, he doesn't need to be leaving his team for six weeks. He's too good and they need him. That's the truth. He's a phenomenal coach. Yeah, in my little experience as a coach, uh, I do see the, the heat of the moment stuff because some of those games, the top 14 games, it gets pretty intense and, uh, and I'm up... Uh, I'm up in the nosebleeds uh, watching the game with the computer analysis. Imagine being down in the right in the the trenches with everyone, and then you have that competitive streak like uh, Ronan does. Uh, I can see how things can uh, boil over, but uh, like yeah, definitely as you said, um, you wouldn't want that trickling down to your players. They need to they need to send down Donica Ryan and stand stand camp <laughs> down to the touchline because they're calmer and just sit Rog up with the computer analyst. Yeah. Like mate. You see more from up there anyway. Like, honestly, just get up there. We saw Christopher Urias give him a, a bit of a slap last season. I, I was going to ask you, Jerome, if there were any coaches you'd wanted to give a slap to so far, but maybe stay upstairs. It's probably <laughs> no, better no, up no, there. no. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stay up there. Again, off the field, really more than on it, but brief scrape pass by on at home the weekend just gone. But there's been some interesting goings on there as well, haven't there? So English millionaire Ian Osborne has become the main shareholder in this talk of them getting a high-profile signing or two, bit of money floating around a brief. Mate, and the question is, like Richie Gray, your old teammate, Jerome, <laughs> and my old teammate, he is absolutely everywhere. I've heard this. Mate, it's everywhere. And I messaged them like last night. And I was like, mate, I've seen, like, what's the crack? And he's like, oh, no, just press. Like, just, just press. <laughs> <laughs> 
keeping his claws close to his chest, but like he's been home. Now he's got two kids. I know he would love to finish his career in France. I know how much he loved his time in cast with me, how much he enjoyed Toulouse, even though there was a bundle of injuries towards the end. Like he's now back playing regularly, starts every week at Glasgow, runs the line out. He's a freak show. <laughs> We've both played with him. He's one of mm. the best athletes in world rugby, runs like a back rower. He's a freak. So Breve would be lucky to have him. If it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, you also mentioned coaching staff. They're looking at taking one of the French national team coaches as well. So it's all changed. Like it's exciting because Breve is a club with a massive history. They've obviously won the European Cup back in the 90s um, and they've really fought above their budget. As long as I've been in France, they're just like a scrappy, they put like a rough and tumble bunch of Frenchies, always a couple of South Africans, a couple of Fijians, and they just scrap it out. But potentially if they want to jump up another level and compete, aim for top eight, top six, a little bit of investment would be absolutely phenomenal. And Richie, like you know Richie as well as I do, Jerome, he'd be a great guy to start with. Mate, he'd be great for the club. And Breve, uh, since I arrived, I've never had an easy game at Breve. It's an absolutely tough place to play, to go and play. Have you ever won at Breve? Yes. Well, there you go, to lose. I didn't get to you. <laughs> once as a player, once as a coach. But uh, yeah, I've lost probably twice there. It's a, it's a tough place to go and play. And like you said, they definitely punch above their weight. And on the broader point, Obviously, the financial struggles of a couple of premiership clubs are big news at the moment. That's obviously not good to see. But is this a major sign that the top 14 is in rude health compared to other leagues with an Englishman investing so much money in brief? I'm not sure how much of that is post-COVID, loss of earnings, the different structures and setups as well. You've got the premiership that has lots of small partners that go into an ownership model. Whereas in France, it's one man's job to float a club most of the time. So it's one big sponsor. So if you go down to Montpellier, it's Moraltrad. You go to Cast, it's Pierre Fabre. Like there's one big money man plugging that hole. Um, that being said, as soon as they walk away, it's trouble. But that's why the top 14 is more stable or has been more stable throughout COVID in that those budgets have been settled. It's not as dependent on um, ticket revenue as the premiership is. That being said, the gates are up in the top 14 gates are down in the premiership as well across the board and they're really struggling with season ticket holders and generally just getting people through the gate so uh, mate, I, i'm not sure like i think with everything that our sport's going through um you know worries around head knocks participation has dropped there's like a massive role around just increasing pop like participation generally be that you know games of tag game of touch rugby getting kids involved in the game so i'm not sure that it's a model difference. I just see that Premiership has suffered quicker as a result of everything that's happened over the past two, three seasons. Um, and the top 14 has been a little more bulletproof, but it's different models. Like the bottom line is it's horrible to see. You don't want to see it anywhere. All the different models that the, the Federation owned clubs. So like Glasgow, Edinburgh with Scotland or the clubs in Ireland or Wales, like Welsh clubs are battling as well. It's, it's across the board that it's difficult at the minute. And that being said, there's bigger investment. The TV money is huge with Canal Plus and the Top 14. And for the moment, Top 14 clubs are in better health. Pro D2 is a slightly different story. But yeah, you just don't want to see it. I think there's going to be a lot of English players coming across the channel as well at the end of the World Cup because budgets are being dropped again and the salary cap is going down in the Premiership. So there's one place that they know they can come pick up a paycheck and, and earn their way. So my, uh, I don't know, different models, different ways to skin a cat. Um, but it's not nice to, see, nice to see. Like what's happening with Worcester, the possibility with Wasps. I think there's three other teams potentially heading in the same direction. There's also massive talk about leaning towards a British league um, if these clubs get disbanded, you know, combining the URC and the Premiership. So there's loads going on, but not what you want to see. Like you want to see all these clubs flourishing and rugby in, the, in Britain and Ireland flourishing as well as France. So fingers crossed they find solutions and they, um, they come back quick. Right. Let's get back to talking about the positive stuff on the pitch. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week, Johnny. What have you got for us? I've got to lose, mate. I've got our new signing. Of course you have. <laughs> Big bang for our buck. He's been phenomenal so far. Um, but as Jerome mentioned, debut for Edgar at 10, Arthur at nine as well. Both those boys were phenomenal. They scored a try coast to coast from their own 22 Big long passes and Delibes finished off. Um, so the team performance of the week, the meter moment of the week is Toulouse. Jerome, you can talk us through that try because it was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, uh, I think it was a good turnover or, uh, or they knocked the ball knocked the ball on and we turned it over. So it was uh, Jamine got the ball 
threw a long pass to Pierre Fuisek, who then uh, shuffled it over to uh, Archer Bonivar, who did the grubber, got around their flanker, and then uh, Dim Dilib finished it off for us so, um, to lose razzle-dazzle. <laughs> you said it, Jerome. You don't score that try without the work at the breakdown, so you're taking the credit, yeah? Yeah, that's yes. it. <laughs> Con- contact coach, contact coach, P-Rise. There we go. That was Johnny and Jerome's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can now get 20% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD20 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD20, and you'll get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. I'd be more than happy to receive their award on their behalf. <laughs> How many meters do you need? We'll send some to Toulouse. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a very quick look ahead to this weekend, Ben. A repeat of the top 14 final, Johnny. Cass Montpellier. My two old sides, mate. And I will tell you now, Cast who haven't been flying so far this year, have struggled with bits of their game, they struggle with their discipline, but they will be desperate to get Montpellier to cast. After the manner of that defeat last year, I know a lot of the boys, Julian Dumora, Rory Cockett's now upstairs. He's a coach as well, defence coach. Like They will be absolutely desperate to get them down to cast. So it's a massive game, Montpellier off the back of a loss as well against Toulouse. And yeah, you can just tell like the cast rugby public as well. They will be absolutely chomping at the bit <laughs> to get those boys <laughs> into the stadium. So that's a massive game for cast. Um, and they'll put a big red mark around that one after the end of last season and how it finished for them. A huge game for them and for the town as well. And you've got Clermont, Jerome, at home with Toulouse. So without giving away any trade secrets, give us some insight. Mate, uh, there's been a lot of focus on um, how well Clermont's been going at the moment. So, um, yeah, f- uh, for us, it was just trying to, this week's just been trying to get the boys back down to ground zero, get their feet on the ground after that win. So, um, yeah, if there's any of that still lingering around in the weekend, we're in for a rude awakening uh, against uh, Clermont. But they've, uh, they'll be going really well, and I'm sure they'll have some more uh, additions coming back from uh uh, the international side, the Argentinian side, or some guys coming back from injury. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big one. Spoken like a true coach, Johnny. Bring them back down to a-, <laughs> a true pro. A true pro. I was going to ask you as well, not very professional, but my some of my best bits of playing rugby in France were the away wins and then the bus trip back. So were there any initiations for Edgar in his first game on the way back on the bus? And who was buying the beers and shoving them on the bus for the bus trip back to Toulouse? No, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty chilled on the way back. Uh, guys weren't really digging into the beers. I think Edgar's uh, initiation will come uh, sooner or later, but it wasn't <laughs> in the weekend. I think for us, because there's a six-day turnaround, uh, I think the boys knew that um, uh, the recover they had to show up on Monday. What is the initiation at Toulouse during? Because aside from Edgar, obviously you've you've had a couple of superstars come in in the summer. So what do they have to do? I don't think it's a bad initiation. I think what uh, I think the initiations happen at stage when you don't when you haven't played a game. I think that's when the bad initiations happen. So um, I think once you play your first game, you, you, it's just a sigh of relief that you don't have to go through it again when uh, stage time comes around again. So classic in France as well. Normally, like if you're young, you're getting your head shaved. So like yeah. you'll see the preseason games, you'll see some disgusting haircuts like if you go to Exeter it's normal because that's how they cut their hair but like <laughs> if you look around the top 14 in the preseason games in the first like two three rounds you'll see the young kids with some <laughs> filthy haircuts yeah. that being said you get like that's the default and then for most clubs if you don't want to get your head shaved you can either you know like sing a nasty song put on a yeah. skit like that type of stuff it's actually not that bad but it's when you're young you, you still get abused you get yeah. a head shave head shaving and a filthy haircut. There'll normally be a Georgian who's used gets hair clippers that he not usually does to do his back and his bum and everything. And then he brings that out and he does the kids with it. It's grim. Absolutely horrible. Nothing to compete with drinking copious amounts of milk at Gloucester or the absolute filth that goes on at Exeter. But I have seen some of those haircuts and that goes on in the premiership as well. But to lose Jerome, who's the barber? Is it is it Manny? Uh, no, it's uh, Roderick Netti or uh, okay. Sophie and Good. Get to. So usually some of the front rollers get, get amongst it. What else this weekend, Johnny? What are the big games? Uh, there's Leon against Bordeaux. 
Well, again, we talked about Bordeaux earlier, but I could possibly see them sneaking something in Lyon. Like Lyon's another team that new coach under Xavier Garbajosa, who had timeout after things didn't go too well at Montpellier. And Lyon don't look that settled either at the minute. So again, we talked about this, the stick that Bordeaux have taken in Urios, but that's the type of game that they could go on the road and very easily nick a win. And as well as the top 14, Women's World Cup kicks off this weekend. So a quick word on that. England, obviously, red-hot favourites. But Jerome, you mentioned earlier on a Toulouse scrum half, of course, playing for France, Law, Sanssouce. France and New Zealand, probably the other two teams that can compete with England. Definitely France and England will be uh, the front runners because uh, they've been playing really well. But I've seen the, the New Zealand side play the last few games and they seem like they're building pretty, pretty nicely. They've got uh, Wayne Smith uh, on board. I've seen Dan Carter's been in with the backs and the kickers. Uh, so um, they've got a good crew of guys. Mike Cron, he's been working with the scrum as well. So they've got a good bunch of coaches. Uh, they've definitely got a young team, but um, I'm sure that experience that they've got around them will, and being at home will give the girls a lift. But also the Australian team, they're, um, they've always fielded a, a great side. But um, having worked closely and seen what the French, but also the English team, uh, they, they seem pretty strong. Have France got a chance, Johnny? Hopeful, mate. I think everyone understands how dominant the Roses, the Red Roses, have been over the past 24 months. They've been absolutely ridiculous. But you never say never. Like, if there's a, there's a couple of sides that are capable of turning them over or, or showing up and doing something ridiculous, stringing together some outstanding pieces of play and challenging them, like it's New Zealand, it's France, they've been there over the past two or three seasons. And as Joe mentioned, Australia, sort of wild card as well. But you have to admit, England, red hot favourites, but France again. And the feeling around the sort of French general rugby public, the support they've had as well on the home mm. games. Like we saw sellouts against um, the Black Ferns and Poe down in Bayonne as well. Like they've got, they've drummed up a massive support um, and the country's really behind them. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks, Jerome, as well, for joining us this season. Worth every gram of that code de beurre for whatever Johnny's given you <laughs> to join us. Thanks, Les. Thanks for having me. And a big thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Bass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. See you, fellas. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.